Hey, this is Hayden with the Bible for the Busy Life podcast. On today's episode, we will take a closer look at the five books of Moses, a.k.a. the Pentateuch, a.k.a. the Torah. But before we get started, I want to make two points. First off, these five books should be seen as a unit, uh, with each one being read and interpreted within the context of the other four books around it. And number two, throughout Scripture, there's a distinction between passages that are telling how things happened, telling stories, or versus passages that tell how things should be or what God wants. I often use the terms narrative versus instructional, but you often hear the terms descriptive versus prescriptive text, because, of course, all good theology either rhymes or uses alliteration. I bring that up because we get quite a bit of mixture in these five books. Genesis will be mostly narrative, whereas Leviticus and Deuteronomy are mostly instructive. Exodus is almost split directly in half between the two, and the numbers will go back and forth quite often. The first book, of course, is Genesis. The title is Greek for the word origin, which is appropriate because in the book we're going to find the origin of the universe, the original sin, Abraham the patriarch, and the establishment of the twelve tribes of Israel. It is 50 chapters, which can be easily divided into two major parts, because the entire book hinges on chapter 12 with the establishment of the covenant with Abraham. So for the first 11 chapters, we see big worldwide events. We have the creation, the fall of man, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. So big, big events. But then at chapter 12, God singles out a man named Abraham. He makes a covenant with him. He says that he will turn Abraham into a great nation. He will bless the world through his, Abraham's descendants. And then his family will inherit the promised land. To give you some perspective, the amount of time and ink spent on the flood of the entire earth is similar to the amount of time and ink spent on finding a wife for Abraham's son Isaac. The point being, a lot of Genesis is dedicated to Abraham becoming a great nation. By the end of the book, Abraham's gone, but his descendants number about 70 in all. They've been living in the promised land for a little while, but there's a famine and the people move to Egypt to escape. Next we have Exodus, which literally means a going out or a departure, in reference to the Israelites leaving Egypt during the first half of the book. It is 40 chapters long, split almost directly down the middle between narrative and instructive text. The first half or so, chapters 1 through 19, tell us about the oppression the Israelites experienced in Egypt, the setting apart of Moses, his standing up to the Pharaoh and bringing about the ten plagues, the exodus from Egypt, the Israelites crossing of the Red Sea, and then their meeting at Mount Sinai. And it is at Mount Sinai that God will call Moses to the top of the mountain and give him the Torah, the law for which these five books are named. So chapters 20 through 40 will largely flesh out that law. A few highlights are the Ten Commandments and the details for building a tent where God can meet with his people, often referred to as the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. And the last ten chapters will basically give the full details of their building the tabernacle itself. Next, Leviticus will give us more detail about this new law. The name literally means pertaining to Levites. So Levi was one of the twelve sons of Israel and thus one of the twelve tribes. And it is this tribe that God will single out and put in charge of the new tent of meeting. So they're responsible for keeping it running. They're responsible for setting it up, taking it down, and carrying it when the camp moves. And within that tribe, you have Moses and his brother Aaron. Aaron will be the man to be the first priest in Israel, and it is he and his descendants that will become the priesthood. So remember, all priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. 
Only the sons of Aaron can be priests. So the book is 27 chapters, which can be roughly divided into two parts. Uh, the first 16 or so deal with uh, ritual laws, so things like the different types of offerings, uh, the priesthood, things like that. Chapters 17 through 27 are more referred to as ethical laws, so things about how to treat your neighbor, just laws for daily living. And it also lays out the different festivals for the Jewish calendar. An important distinction to make when you're reading the law, including Leviticus, is that not every law was meant to be universal. So somewhere when it says, do not murder, do not steal, the rest of Scripture holds that up as being applicable to everyone. But there's some rules that were meant to only apply to the Israelite people during that time. An example would be the rules for clean and unclean foods. In Acts, uh, Peter will lay out that that has changed in the New Covenant. There are other laws even more specifically, apply only to the priests. So the first few chapters lay out the way in which they would offer the sacrifices, the burnt offerings to God, and those can only be obeyed by a priest, a son of Aaron. In fact, the book of Samuel records an account in which uh, King Saul, who was not a Levite, decides to take it upon himself to make the sacrifice because there was not a priest available at the time, and the Lord sees it as a blatant act of disobedience to the law rather than obedience. Book number four is Numbers. has kind of a misleading title in the English, unfortunately. We call it Numbers because it starts off with census data, but there's so much more to this book than that. In fact, I would say it was the most difficult of the five to try to summarize because there's just so much story and so much information in this book. The Hebrew title translates to In the Wilderness, which is probably a little more appropriate a summary of the contents of the book because it will chronicle the 40 years that Israel will spend wandering the desert. In the book, the Israelites have three major campsites at Sinai, Kadesh, and Moab. And so I'll roughly divide the book based on that. It picks up at Sinai exactly where we left off the narrative in Exodus. So Exodus 19, the people come to Sinai and are given the law. And here we are in Numbers, still at Sinai. So the people will finally leave and head towards the Promised Land and reach Kadesh, which is just on the border. And the Israelites send 12 spies to go and scout out the land. And of the twelve, ten come back saying, the land's been re-inhabited with these powerful people, we'll never make it. And they scare the Israelites. And only two people, Joshua and Caleb, will come back saying, the Lord will give us this land, it's great, let's go and take it. But the people get scared and they refuse to enter. So then God curses them, basically giving them exactly what they asked for. He said, those of you who refuse to enter will never enter. And so the people end up spending 40 years around Kadesh, just waiting for that entire generation to die off so the next generation can go in and take the land. And after the 40 years is up, they move from Kadesh to the plains of Moab, and the book ends with them at Moab getting ready to enter the land. And the last book is Deuteronomy. So let's break down the word. So Deutero is essentially the second in a list, and then Anomy refers to the law or governance, just like autonomy is the right to rule oneself. So Deuteronomy literally means the second law. And it is basically a series of three speeches given by Moses. Moses, by this time, is an old man. He knows he's not getting to the promised land and he will die soon. So these are basically his farewell speeches to the people of Israel as he gets ready to pass the baton down to the next generation. The first speech is a historical review. So basically looking at how did we as a people get here today. And note, if you're struggling to get the big picture of these first four books, 
That first speech by Moses is incredibly helpful in getting the big picture. His second speech is a look at the covenants between God and his people and seeing all the different details of it. And the third speech, he lays out a series of blessings and curses. So if we as a people follow God, this will happen. If we do not follow God, this will happen. And it has huge implications for the upcoming books. And that is it. I hope this was helpful. From here, Lord willing, we'll move on to the historical books, but I also do have another big topic in the works, and I may end up posting short one-episode topics just to get more content out there, because I don't want to rush through these series, but I also don't want to go too long in between posts. But of course, I do work a full-time job, and my wife and I have a baby due any day now, so it can be difficult to make the time for it. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening.